Good Friday afternoon to everybody and welcome to On Texas Football live stream. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Justin Wells and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and InsideTexas.com. And uh, guys, there's a lot going on right now. Of course, there's the Texas Bash, the, te the pool party that happened yesterday. Uh, fall camp starts next week. But Jerry, you recently, like within the past few minutes, uh, put a big update on the board on Gary Patterson. And so why don't you fill everybody in on that? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I don't know if we have a good hat game or bad hat game today. <laughs> I'll let the comments decide. I'm going with it. Uh, but um, yeah, yeah. So I spoke with somebody extremely close to Gary Patterson. Uh, because there's some a tweet out, apparently it's since been deleted, that Gary was coming back to Texas. And look, Bobby Burton re reported, we did a live stream last night, that, that Gary's definitely uh, considering a return to Texas for the 2023 season. Uh, but spoke with somebody extremely close to him as of 12, at 12.40 p.m. And he still not has not made his decision. Um, look, it, you know, Bobby reported, which is 100% fact, he turned down in a position with Lincoln Riley. Um, and the, the game is, you know, if you if you're going to be involved, um, and, and I do believe Gary ultimately wants to be involved. Uh, the locker room part of it, the meetings with coaches, the day to day part of it, not seven days a week necessarily, but just being involved. These guys miss that. Um, you can only play so much golf. Um, uh, but I, I think it's somewhere close to home. But and I just don't. I think because of the reasons that he didn't take a, a position with USC. Uh, it leads down that path. So, look, naturally, Texas uh, would have the upper hand in that. It, it'll be interesting if Gary does uh, decide to return. We talked about last night. You know, I could see it being more of a three-day type of deal, maybe four-day type of deal, where you break maybe not seven days a week, uh, being as involved on the sidelines as he was last year, because I've always gone back to that Alabama game, what I watched the whole game of him on the sidelines. But maybe just three, four days of game planning you know, uh, helping, helping this as far as game planning, looking ahead, at future opponents, uh, things like that, formulating, helping formulate a game plan, things, uh, things such as that. So that's, that's where we're at. He has not made his decision yet. Nothing official, but we uh, inside Texas do believe he is seriously considering returning to Texas. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how it all unfolds. And uh, by the way, it looks like the hat game is going good, Jerry. That's good. <laughs> Judging by the couple of comments that uh, that we got there. Now, Justin, I, we're going to kick it over to you now and, you know, bring everybody up to speed on the big recruiting weekend for the Longhorns. Okay. You know, the big recruiting weekend is kind of, um, a th it was a Thursday affair for the most part. Uh, Jerry Hamilton's been all over Solomon Williams. I believe he's, he's going to be there today for the remainder of the day. Correct, Jerry? He's late. His flight's at two thirty. So, in fact, if he calls me during this live stream, I'm going to duck out for a minute. Right, and right. Post his story. That's how current this thing is, baby. That's hey, by the way, Sam Spiegelman just put on 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 Inside Texas. Wardell Max not visiting LSU. That's big. LSU, that's big. That's big. I mean, he's still going to Florida. Right. Which Florida Florida is Florida's the school we we're kind of talking Florida. about. He he really likes Florida. I know that the family really likes Texas. The academic athletic combination there. Um, Wardell really likes Florida. Um, I could tell when I was at John Eric, was it three weeks ago now? I lose track of time, man. Um, but uh, yeah, it was around the same day Melvin Hills committed to Texas. Yeah, he really likes Florida. Jabar Jaloop, Corey Raymond, 
you know, they got a lot of guys. Billy Napier obviously was at Lafayette. They got three guys with some ties in Louisiana. Uh, the interesting thing with Wardell Mack in Florida before Justin gets back to the pool party, since this is kind of new news, is um, Florida has one corner committed. They're going to take two or three. Their number one corner on the board is a kid at Daytona Beach Mainland, Zay Mincy, who they lead for, or I believe they lead for. Then there's another kid in South Florida in the Miami area that Florida's really right there in on. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out with Florida, um, with Wardell Mack. Uh, I, I do think there's some people in the circle that like the idea of Texas headed in this Florida visit. So we'll see. But him not going to LSU is big because but Wardell's leaning to that early August decision. He's right. Like, and, and to me, just a little bit with that, you know, at some point, LSU, I don't know how many DBs they have in this class. I think they have five right now. Five. It, it almost feels like they're trying and they're to. And they're after Kobe Black, obviously. Yes. And, 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 you know, so at some point, the spots are going to run out when, when it comes there. And I think that's going to always help Texas. But I, we maintained, I think Florida is the one you really got to kind of watch. And that's strange with an in state kid in Louisiana. We know how they keep those guys in state. But my man Blake, he, he asked asked about this recruiting weekend, and you know what? I think Thursday turned out a little better than we anticipated. Listen, Jonah Williams showed up. That was probably the highest rated recruit on campus, and don't get it twisted. He's one of the best linebacker pro- defensive prospects in, in in the country for 2025. He plays safety at Ball High. He's going to be a linebacker at the next level. He talked to Jeff Cho quite a bit. Um, I thought that was really good getting him on campus. He'd been a handful of times, but. Guys, Jonah Williams is a Texas A&M lean, whether he'll say it out loud or not. And so getting him back, I think, was huge. That's a kid that's going to be a a top 50 national recruit and more likely. And so that was a big deal. Um, I think some of the – like a Solomon Williams going in there, Texas is going to look hard at at, at the edge spot. Obviously, Colin Simmons in a great spot before he heads to Baton Rouge this weekend. Zena Umiazulu remains kind of in, in limbo. I think Texas remains good there. Danny Okoye just left Alabama, headed to OU, and, and, and he got the Nick Saban treatment. So I, I'm, it's going to be curious to see how Texas closes that. And so the Solomon Williams being on campus was big. Um, I like some of the new offers, on, to, to be honest. Byron Washington, Jerry Hamilton on our show called it. He said, that kid's on offer watch. Um, that's a big joker. Like, that. Even Cam Williams walks up to him and looks up. And that, that I mean, that's saying something. I saw him in the spring, and, and he looked bigger than 6'6 six, six and a half, 350. He just – he looked like he had – he was probably 6'6, six, six, 350 last year. It, it, it takes a lot for somebody to outsize uh, uh, Zalance Hurd, who's from Monroe, yeah. and then uh, Cam Robinson, who's from Monroe. But Byron Washington, who's originally from Monroe and moved to DeSoto, he's the biggest dude I've ever seen out of Monroe, and that's saying something. <laughs> yeah, they grow them differently. They play youth football in Monroe. I'll say that. He he's all a 6'7", I think 362 or something yesterday. Yeah. And you know what those big guys, if you see 360, it's probably 370. Yeah. If you see 370, it's probably 375, 380. You know, yeah, that was there was a kid. There was a kid at Brenham years ago that they had to take to the Bluebell factory to weigh him. They couldn't weigh him at Brenham High School. It's an old Glenn West story. <laughs> that is the large. I mean, he was like four thirty at one time, and he ended up getting down in like the three sixties. But I mean, so we don't have to take fire into the Bluebell plant yet. Or Claude <laughs> Mathis doesn't. So that's a good thing. Amen. Amen. Um, I you know you called the Byron Washington, so I'm giving you credit. 
I called the London Smith offer, and I'm going to give myself credit on that one. That was a big-time <laughs> athlete. If you don't know about him, he's out of Waco University, 2026 kid. What's interesting there is he's a margin hooks guy. So yeah. you know he's working on his, his wide receiver skills. You know he's perfecting the craft. And his offers to this point have been for receiver naturally. Texas offered him a defensive back. And he worked – he got to watch him, the workout with the DBs uh, on Thursday. And so – and I asked London, is that something, I mean, do you do you have a preference? And he said, absolutely not. He goes, I, I don't care where I play at the next level. Now he may change his tone in a couple of years, but it shows that Texas doesn't always do the same thing everyone else does. He worked out, he liked Terry Joseph. He liked that kind of connection. So I thought the London Smith offer was coming and I think it's justified. And then uh, Malik Hawkins, uh, you know, Mikey Hawkins, 2024 quarterback committed to OU out of Frisco Emerson. It's his little brother, uh, second son of Mikey Hawkins, uh, Michael Hawkins, the old defensive back to the Green Bay Packers in the NFL. Uh, Malik's a good-looking kid. I saw him at Allen probably a year and a half ago. He's got good size. He's got good athleticism. Uh, I think he's an, an interesting prospect. I don't know how much Texas is going to be in on that one. Similar to the Drew Evers offer, 2026 offensive lineman out of Flower Mound. You know, there's a lot of A&M ties in that one. You know, the, 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 and, I, and there's some OU mixed into that as well. And so – I'm not positive with OU. <laughs> not anymore. And, <laughs> I, and by the way, A&M wasn't positive there either because uh, obviously his brother's Nick Evers, who's now – was the quarterback that signed with Oklahoma that's now at Wisconsin. Well, A&M never really recruited Nick, and that kind of upset the family, right? So – and they did um, recruit a, someone that was more of a tight end than an actual yeah. quarterback. Yeah. I mean, but you know, so there was a there was that with the uh, Evers family. Uh, but obviously, to what Justin's point, Michael Hawkins did not show up in Austin yesterday. And that is not a surprise. <laughs> not a surprise at all. He, Mike Malik showed up with his mom, and and so that was uh, he had a great time. And and, and you got to go check out Inside Texas when you're done watching our, our live stream today because. It, we post, Jerry and I posted a big uh, recruiting humidor, a lot of updates, especially some really good basketball stuff in there. When I see Cooper Flagg's name, I click. <laughs> and then I just posted a recruiting intel piece. Uh, some more. I got a lot of quotes from, from all the new offers yesterday and some new stuff. So when you're done watching us, you got to climb over there and do that. Somebody asked about Solomon Williams, Blake, before we get the questions. Um, yeah, go ahead. I texted with him a little bit uh, last night. Uh, he spent a lot of his time with Anthony Hill and Baron Sorrell on Thursday, his high school head coach, Marshall he McDuffie, what day head coach was, it is the one who brought him to Austin, uh, you know, which says something because the Hillsborough County had their media day today. And for coach wow. McDuffie to kind of skip that and get Solomon to visit Texas, that says something for uh, Texas having a legitimate chance at Solomon Williams. We'll see, you know, uh, how hard of a push they make. Uh, because uh, Justin kind of went over the edge uh, position. Colin Simmons is in Baton Rouge right now. Then you have Zena, and then you have Danny Akoy, and you still have Jordan Ross is kind of a wild card. And then you have Solomon Williams. So those are the five edge kids that are on the board right now. All right. Well, yeah, that's definitely one to keep an eye on. Well, guys, plenty of time to get those questions in, and we'll get to them here in just a second. But before we do, I need to talk about Andy Ludicky and MyPerfectFranchise.net. We want to thank him for sponsoring. And uh, if you're looking to diversify, you may be someone like me that has their hands in multiple businesses. Well, Andy can help you diversify by finding you businesses that will fit your time allotment and financial goals. Call him or email him to learn more. He's got a really cool process. I even did it myself. 
And it's Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Again, Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. We want to thank Andy uh, for sponsoring every Friday right here on On Texas Football. All right, guys. Well, let's get to some questions. And uh, yours, Barber. We're going to start with him. He was actually the first one to ask a question. So he says, looking ahead to the Alabama game, I assume most think they will run the ball a lot. How do you feel about our defensive line and depth handling that type of rushing volume? I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good about it. I think Texas is legitimate uh, depth at D tackle in the interior. Uh, probably look. I mean, for you play six guys in a rotation in a game that has a lot of snaps. I'm not sure Texas had six guys this this good and this talented for a while. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, last year obviously they lost a couple of pieces, but. You know, you had Trill Carter who's played 580 snaps last year. Sadir Mitchell, who can go in and is hard to move in the run game on some certain downs. Um, and you had the guys that are returning, uh, Vernon Broughton, uh, you know, along with uh, – who's that's not his strength, obviously. But, you know, Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, Alfred Collins. Murphy. I mean, yeah, Trill Carter. I mean, you know, they, they have the depth on the interior to do it. I think the uh, the youth at edge is going to be tested in that game. I, Alabama will attack some of those guys. And I think also to add, to piggyback off Jerry, Alabama's got some problems on offense. Their offensive line was kind of a mess last year. Uh, they lost most of those receivers that were, you know, prolific with Bryce Young and, and Mac Jones and those guys. And so, and their running game is inexperienced. It's not – what it used to be. It, there's some there's some dogs back there. Saban's always going to have a stable of running backs. But the starting running back right now is Jamari and Miller, the, the red shirt soft, red shirt freshman out of, out of Tyler Legacy. And so I think that's actually going to help Texas because they know Alabama's going to have a hard time throwing the football early in the season. They're still trying to figure out who the quarterback is. I think that's also going to help with that defensive line because it's going to allow PK and those guys to be a little more creative and to be able to do a little bit more because they're, they're going to know Alabama's going to have to run the ball to control tempo, to control the clock in Texas. One of their strengths is going to be that D line. Trill Carter as a backup is a good thing. Alfred Collins as a backup is a good thing. And with Alabama's offense being a little um, off one sided, at least in the last year, I think that also helps Texas. Yeah. I, I would say, I would add to this. Um, I'd rather play Alabama in week two than week nine. this year. Amen. It's a game two, from the heavens, game two with new quarterback, game two with no, new OC. Um, look, that, this is you want to play them early. You want to play them after they only have one game under their belt. So I yep. think that is a big strength for Good Texas. Point. Although Alabama had lost the night game since 2015 to, to Hugh Freeze, I believe it was. Um, but all that means is somebody's always due. Uh, that's what that means to me. But playing them early is big. All right, guys. Well, we got a uh, super chat here. This one from Casey Lane, and I got to find this question. There it is. And he says, Jerry, what are your thoughts about about the thoughts of people who are freaking out about star rankings on the defensive line? Offers and official visits tell a bigger story. Yeah, I mean, look, it's the same thing we talked about with just kind of look at Texas defensive line um, this year and last year. I mean, everybody's like, well, Texas is struggling recruiting five stars. Well, there's only so many of those guys, and they're pretty much going to three schools. Um, you know, yeah. AM signed like six in one class, right? I mean, there's with NIL, you can get, you can, there's ways to get a couple of guys, but the majority in the last decade have gone to about three or four programs. Um, but look, Tavondre Sweat, three star, going to be a draft pick. 
Byron Murphy, high three-star, low four-star, going to be a draft pick. Alfred Collins is a high four-star. Maybe one person was a five-star. Um, should be a draft pick. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, you just look around. These Keandre Coburn, four-star draft pick. I mean, Mora Ojemo, senior riser, four-star, ends up being a draft pick. I mean, you know, you, Texas has good defensive linemen. And what I'm saying is DeAndre Robinson is a four-star prospect. I don't care where he's ranked now. Um, you go in – and people are concerned, was, is it SEC good? Well, you beat Florida on a guy they wanted out of Orlando. You beat LSU for Alex January recruitment. You should win, but LSU wanted Alex January. The team that won the SEC West last year wanted Alex January. Um, no matter if you what you think of Ole Miss, Pete Golding, Randall Joyner wanted Melvin Hills. Texas beat Ole Miss. They've won three SEC recruitments for defensive linemen. You're not going to win them all. I mean, I, I don't know any other way to say it, and you're not going to win them all. Texas didn't push for Malik Blockton at the end because of, uh, you know, DeAndre Robinson and, and T.J. Lindsay. I think T.J. Lindsay's going to have a very difficult time turning down Auburn. I'll say that. That's just the world we're in in recruiting. But Texas has beaten three SEC teams on guys uh, in this class already. So they're recruiting in an SEC level. They've addressed size with Alex January and DeAndre Robinson. That's 6'4", 325-ish, and that's 6'3 and 315-ish. So they're addressing their needs right now. Um, and that's kind of the thing we look at. Texas would love to get four. If they only get three, then they'll go see if they can find another Trill Carter-like player in the portal. Um, that's the where where recruiting is, but they're recruiting at an SEC level. They're beating good SEC programs for defensive linemen. That's kind of telling. Well, speaking of D linemen, this next question I actually saw it asked on Tuesday, and we didn't get to it, so I'd like to get to it now. And it's from Traffic Cone, and he says most of AM's D tackles are around 280 pounds. Texas wants guys over 300. So, which is more important in the SEC, size or speed? I don't know. I need, I'm going to look at AM's roster here. I don't Take, think they're averaging around 280. Pounds. Walter Nolan hadn't seen 280 in a while. Levis Overton hadn't seen 280 since seventh grade. Yeah. I mean, Walter <laughs> Nolan's listed at but, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it, and the question is kind of two handed. You need both. Yeah. On the defensive line, you need size. Offensive line, the, the, in, in the trenches, you need size and strength. <laughs> and motors in uh, your skill guys, you're going to need speed. I mean, you need speed everywhere, but your skill guys, especially. And so I think for the D line, it, the size is more important, especially on the offensive line. Ask Kyle flood, you know, AKA, you know, Dr. Large human. I, I yeah. think that kind of answers its own question. It, you know, the size and speed, you need both, but on a defensive line, the girth is going to outweigh the speed. And with the size guy, especially with your specialists, your position guys, skill guys, um, speed is is just speed's the beginning of the just conference. just just so we're clear. McKinley Jackson, who could be a first round draft pick, six two three twenty five. Walter Nolan's three twenty. Dindo Brownlow Dindy's three hundred pounds. I mean, they don't they're not lacking size. Mike Overton's three ten. Isaiah Rakes three twenty five. Albert Regis three twenty. Shamar Turner's a 300-pounder. There's nobody be. under 300. Yeah, no. They're interior guys. I mean, they can get small if they want on some third downs, but they're interior guys. All they're, The average of those guys is over 300 pounds. Well, that settles that. 
Well, Justin, you mentioned big humans, and this next question uh, has to do with that. Xavier Delgado asks, what qualifies as a big human compared to past recruits? That's a good question, Xavier. Um, I think what qualifies, one thing I've noticed, kids are just bigger. Kids are just getting bigger. Whatever we're feeding them, whatever they're working out, whatever, you know, nutrients, supplements, constant trainers, kids are just getting bigger. The human race is just getting bigger. And the big human, I think Kyle Flood has a type and, and he feels like, you know, there's nothing wrong with the slender 6'2", 6'3", 280, 290 pound interior O-lineman. Those guys are in shape. They're smart. They've got great feet. You know, they can pull, they can move. There's nothing wrong with that type. That's the old Mike Shanahan, Denver Bronco zone type offensive line style. You know, that they didn't have any guys over 300 pounds, I think, for a few years. That can work. The times have changed. These defensive linemen are getting bigger. The defensive schemes are getting more complicated. And I think the larger human just gives you a better chance. I think the bigger guy, it's just, it's it's like, you know, in any fight, the bigger guy is probably going to give you a better chance at winning than the smaller guy. And from a, from a, way. from a pure um, measurable standpoint, if Six, somebody five, three, the, well, Broader shoulders, um, 33-inch arms at least. Um, and now, your center, Daniel Cruz, is right at 32. You throw the center out. If you ever get a center that has 33s, you're, you're, that's a great player. You're in total business. That's but an Eric McCoy. Those aren't many of those. Creed Humphreys, 32 and an eighth-inch arms. I mean, most of those guys just aren't. But, you know, you're, Texas is looking for – I don't even anywhere to say this. Broader shoulder guys, longer arm guys, 10-plus-inch hand guys, Guys with an ass to where they can get them on the squat rack. I, I don't even high, know anyone to say that. The high ass. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, and if a guy has an 80-inch wingspan or 33-inch arms, he's he's going to be 6'5", 6'4", 6'5", 6'6". I mean, so that's what they're looking for. I mean, um, I was showed Joe Cook a picture when we were waiting on recruits yesterday. I showed a high school Under Armour game picture of Neto versus now from then. And Kelvin Banks from the Under Armour game versus now, and it's it's amazing how different they look when they walk by. Um, so yeah, it's just it's the it's the broadness of the shoulders, it's the length of the arms, it's the size of the hands, um, and it's the size of your ass. You got to have some mass in your ass. I don't even know any where they say it. <laughs> I mean, that's what I, Texas and Bama. And I mean, Georgia I'm trademarking it. That's, yeah, that's quite the slogan. <laughs> we put that on a shirt, Jerry. Listen, come on. Nine, nine, well, nine, Daniel Cruz will wear it. We know that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It might have some uh, NIL opportunities there with that shirt. All right, guys. Not, well, well he, should, he could have some different NIL opportunities <laughs> with that shirt. Well, let's do a super chat. This one comes from a sports talk, Jay. Want to thank him. And he says, How are things looking with 2025 Andrew March? They've offered, but how serious are they pushing? Um, I'll grab that one, Jerry. Um, Chris Jackson from you know, sources tell me he's a big fan of Marsh. Um, he's a kid that's always kind of being on the radar because he he kind of flashed early on. Uh, he's got lots of athleticism, and it's funny because I've kind of seen him grow over the spring and into the summer. I believe he came to a camp early in July, and we saw some clips, and the kid is just bigger. He's starting to fill out. I think Texas is trying to figure out its way with the 2025 wide receiver targets after DeCorey and Moore. I think it starts with DK, 
And then you've got about a group of five or six where Texas probably wants to get two or three more out of the, out of that grouping. Marsh would be in that group. I, I think he, he, he has so much explosiveness. He, he is an exciting player. Um, this, the, yeah, the offer was serious. This is, this kid is a take. I just, I think we have to see a little bit. We have to see a few dominoes drop over the next six to nine months to kind of see exactly where Texas prioritizes their guys. But I do know they're big on Marsh with the 2025 cycle in Texas recruiting with receivers, it all begins with DeCorian Moore and ends with DeCorian Moore. If they get him, anybody else they slap in this class is going to be considered a strong class. If it, they do anything up from the ceiling or the floor, Marsh is a guy that could check that box. And so it's it's early. A&M's in there. LSU's in there. Um, I think he's at LSU today. Yeah. Or he was in there tomorrow. Yesterday. Today yeah. or tomorrow. Yeah. And so they're, 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 this is going to be a battle. There's going to be about a dozen schools that really push for Marsh because he's that good, and I think he is like the next one of the next names under DeCorian Moore. Well, speaking of DeCorian Moore, E. Kim says, Jerry, is DeCorian Moore or Devin Sanchez the highest-rated prospect in the state of Texas for 2025? Also, I see a gold mine of high three and low four stars in the southeast as recruiting potential. Um, DeCorian Moore right now, I mean, look, I think he's the number two rated prospect in Texas in the industry rankings. Um, you know, Devin Sanchez is number one. Will that be the case at the end of the day? Always remember the large human guys. Those guys tend the junior year, senior year, or just spring of junior years when they pop. The skill kids are earlier. Um, look, I mean, I'm, I may be a little different. I think in this class, I mean – you know, Joseph Jonah Janye and Colin Simmons are the two for me. I know there's guys ranked ahead of Joseph Jonah Janye. Justin Williams at his own school is a linebacker. Micah Hudson. But um, I I think some of these bigger guys, um, are, are, they're going to pop more uh, in this season as far as rankings go and kind of really see what they did this summer, uh, what they're going to do during the season, how their frames are developing. And then into the spring, because – uh, this business, this recruiting business, the rankings business is always skilled guys early, then starting junior year, unless they're great, a Laramie Tunzel, somebody we see at a young age, at, at Under Armour camps or whatnot. It always transitions over time. Um, so I think the uh, bigs are going to have something to say in the in the in in Texas in 2025. The linemen, the Dylan Battles, the Zion Williams, see where those guys are at, where they go. Um, and then Michael Fasusi, see where his body goes. He's Ooh, a little more narrow. Yeah. He's a little more narrow than Kelvin Banks, but he's really athletic. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of what he looks at like as he develops here in the next few months. I also factor in that you can find receivers a little easier than you can find lockdown corners. The demand for that, that corner spot's a little higher, and I think that gives Sanchez a little bit more of a well, let's yeah. stay on the uh, DeCorian Moore train for just a second here. we got another question, and it's from Ski Breck. And he says, is DeCorian Moore better than any wide receiver in the 24 class? For me, yes. And, 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 and that's not a knock on Micah Hudson. Micah Hudson will be an NFL draft pick if he stays healthy. But DeCorian Moore just moves different. Yeah, You know, when you're in Duncanville, and you're at Duncanville practice, and they have 30 Division I players out there on a field, from freshman through senior, you know, maybe we'll have a few freshmen up, but uh, at, at times for practice. And he moves different than anybody else on the field. Says something like him and Colin Simmons move different 
than the other 25 Division One players out there. It's just a different game with DeCorey and Moore. And the day I was there in May, there was uh, about three college offensive coordinators, and they all were like, yeah, they're the Ryan Williams kid. There's nobody better than him, than DeCorey and Moore. Well, now go. they were talking about like any class. And you know, Jeremiah Smith in 2024. Is yeah, Jeremiah time. would be the one I would can if we were having the national. I, I think Ryan Williams may be better than all of them. And I think the Corian's still growing. Yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned Micah Hudson, and you know, we got a, everyone that wants to know about him. Dodgers 988 fan says, Another day where Hudson isn't committed. How are the Longhorns looking for him now? <laughs> they still talk. They still have regular conversations. Listen, um, even though Micah Hudson is obviously a Texas Tech lean and, and the Red Raiders and Joey McGuire have done a tremendous job in that recruitment. I mean, they literally have thrown the kitchen sink at him. Micah and Chris Jackson still really get along. Micah, Micah has a vision of playing in the league. And Jackson's a guy that gives him a direct link to that. And that, that matters to him. I think Texas got more into that recruitment in the springtime when Brennan Marion left and Chris Jackson came aboard. I'm not even sure how and Marion and, and Micah even had that good of a relationship. This was something that Sarkeesian has been spearheaded, spearheaded for at least over a year. Um, but they still talk. They're, they're still in contact. I'll say this. I wouldn't be surprised if Micah Hudson commits to Texas Tech in the next hour. I wouldn't be surprised if he committed in the next two weeks before, the, before his senior season starts. Or if he commits the day before early national signing day. I, I, none of that would surprise me. But the thing that Texas fans need to remember is I still think he's going to visit Austin. I still think even if he commits to Tech, I still think he's going to come down and make a trip. There's something there that still Micah likes to keep people guessing. And, and this is one of those instances where if Texas comes out and looks really good in 2023, if they go to Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama, if they're looking at like a top 10 team going into Big 12 play. And, and listen, this class is going to be e a lot easier with recruiting. And I think Micah Hudson is smart enough to go, okay, let me take a closer look. Uh, we've said, we've talked about on this before, on the show, uh, show different shows prior. The worst thing that happened for Texas Tech in their quest to get Micah Hudson committed is everybody saying Micah Hudson was going to commit the Tech. He, got, he pushes back. When everybody was saying he was leaning to Texas, he pushed back against it. Everybody's saying he's going to Texas Tech, he's going to push back against it. That's the way he's wired in this yes. process. A&M is sneaky in this thing, too. I'm just telling you right now, A&M is sneaky in this. I still feel like it would be Tech, but you know how Jimbo is. He's got that that that, that remote control closing door, trap door. And Mama did go to 10 day A&M for a little while, too. So There you go. Uh, somebody asked a question for Jerry. Do you believe we can get Ryan Wingo from Tennessee? Justin, I can both chime in on that. Look, I think Texas has a great read on the Ryan Wingo recruitment. Um, I don't believe Ryan Wingo takes it to December. I, I don't believe that. Um, I think a lot of these guys, it sounds fun. Now you're seeing Dominic McKinley's probably going to do something before his senior year. Colin Simmons very well could as well. So these kids tend to back off of that. Uh, but I do – I mean, look, I, I don't know what Justin's going to say, but and I'm not discounting Missouri. I don't think Georgia's really thinking they're going to get him. I really do see it coming down to Texas and Tennessee. I mean, I, too bad I can't get Chris Sims to make the call or B.J. Johnson for help on this one. But I think it's going to come down to those two. That's a good call. I, you know, I'm going to echo what Jerry says. It, it 
when I went down there, Tennessee is definitely a school. I, I kind of, when I left, I kind of thought if, if there's going to be one school Texas has to battle, it's Tennessee because of how highly he spoke about Josh Heupel and how well Jalen Hyatt looked last year and, and him emphasizing to me how important wide receiver play in 2023 is going to be to his decision. I'm with you. I, I still don't, I don't think he takes it the whole way, but remember he's in a position of leverage. He's in no hurry. He has no anxiety with the process, whereas a lot of these kids, they do at this stage. And you mentioned something Monday, not Tuesday. I thought that was noteworthy. He hit Missouri kind of out of nowhere. Then he was going to hit Tennessee. Then he's going to hit A&M. It's like he's starting to hit a few of these schools and knocking these things out before he starts, you know, fall, fall camp. Jerry made a good point. Sometimes that's a sign. Uh, yes, Texas can can definitely get Ryan Wingo from from Tennessee. I feel better about Texas getting Wingo from Tennessee than I do Micah Hudson from Tech. Uh, yeah, by the way, Jake Faust chimed in. Uh, Sims might steer him to Tennessee. That's kind of what was my I was joking about that. Him and BJ Johnson. Although I actually talked to somebody very close to Chris this week, and uh, I think Chris maybe has a different opinion on Texas as he's gotten older. <laughs> I don't know how much different, but, it's still it's different. A, but hey, I want to give a shout to my man, Jake Faust. He's one of our be- biggest fans. He's a good guy. He's one of my good friends. Utopia dropped last night, Jake. I have not stopped listening to it. It's on repeat. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let's get to the super chat here. This one from Justin Yarbrough. We want to thank him. And he says, how big of an impact would it have made if Sark got Sam to come back for a fifth year and how would he have looked in the system and health and health wise, not running quarterback power eight times a game? Great job, guys. Thank you, Justin. I'm going to tackle this one um, only because I have a little story. I can tell it now, now that he's gone. Uh, the One of the first few days after Steve Sarkisian got the job, he called Sam Ellinger. He called him in and he said, you know, I, I really I'd love to talk to you if that's cool. You know, I'd, I'd love to talk. So Sam is you know polite. He comes in. And he said, what would your thought, you know, Sark said, what would your idea be about coming back for your last, for a COVID year, for that fifth year? You know, you've got that last year. You could build on it towards your, uh, towards the NFL draft, you know, the following draft. And he told him, you can be my Jake Locker. You know, what what would you think about that? And Sam politely declined. He, you know, he'd been a quarterback takes for four years. And anybody knows when you play quarterback there for that long, I mean, it's a beating and so he had had his fix of burn orange, but not running quarterback power eight times. Jake Locker liked to run the ball. He was a big guy. And so I feel like it, as much as Sam would have helped Sark in that first year, they definitely would have had a winning record versus a losing record. I think it worked out better this way. I think they were able to, to get through the Hudson card, Casey Thompson type stuff. They were able to, to flip, get Quinn Ewers back obviously getting Malik, getting Arch. I think things worked out the way they did, but for a couple days after Sark got the job, he called Sam and he said, hey, you want to be my Jake Locker? Who was obviously, I think, a number 10 pick in the draft out of Washington when he was picked. That time wound up being a pretty big bust, by the way. And Sam said, thank you, but no thank you. It had been interesting to see how it all turned out for sure. Well, guys, let's get to some more uh, team-related questions, but before we do, I need to talk about Andy Ludicky and MyPerfectFranchise.net. And if you're stuck in the corporate rat race, rat race with two weeks PTO and no control over the money you can make or your schedule in general, then call Andy. He'll take you through a process to help find a business that will fit your skill sets and financial goals. 
franchise ownership isn't for everyone, but if you have a desire to take control of your destiny, call Andy or email him at Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. And of course, we want to thank him for sponsoring each and every Friday right here on On Texas Football. And uh, let's see here, guys. Let's go to a question from Hook'em94. And he says, how will Texas divide up the running back room for playtime? Will Brooks be the main guy going into the Bama game? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jonathan Brooks uh, is going to be the starter um, and the main guy, especially in game two against Bama. Uh, Cedric Baxter will play. Uh, so I actually saw Cedric Baxter yesterday. It looks great physically. Um, Cedric Baxter is going to play. We've kind of been through this. Uh, Cedric Baxter is going to play or he's going back He's going back home, and that's not happening. Um, so Cedric Baxter is a talented back, too, by the way. Uh, being in it for as an early enrollee is going to help him greatly. Uh, but those two guys, I, I believe, are going to be the main two backs as far as taking handoffs running the football. I think you can get Jaden Blue in some space. I mean, I think there's some space opportunities. I bet you see it against Rice. Um, uh, but, yeah, I think, you know, look, I, I think those are your two main guys as far as who's going to get this line share of the carries in the run game is going to be Jonathan Brooks and Cedric Baxter. I think Keelan Robinson will be involved very much like he was last year. I think Jaden Blue has as good a hand as you'll ever see out of the backfield. You get him more involved in the passing game. Um, and then you have a wild card like Savior on the Road. We'll see how long it actually uh, takes him um, to really hit the field uh, at running back. All right. This next question comes from K. John, and he says, "What are some some more small incremental improvements you would like to see that would make a big difference this year? For example, one more sack a game, rushing yards per game, percentage quarterback completion, etc." We've each got one of these, and I'll tell you right now, one more sack a game. Get to the quarterback. Last year, Texas for for years had a difficulty had difficulty getting to the quarterback, and it showed. Last year, they finally started closing the gap. They were one of the, 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 the top teams in the country at quarterback pressures. Now they want to be one of the top teams at quarterback sacks, hits, hurries, things of that sort. They're trying to close that gap. They're trying to take that next step. And the biggest way they're going to be able to do that is with a Baron Sorrell taking the next step. Ethan Burke uh, kind of get, you know coming into his own and, and, and being the guy they need, especially with his length and his size. And his he's got some natural athletic ability as well. So for me – Get you another sack of game. If you can up that to two or three a game, that changes drives, that changes possessions, and at the end of the game, that winds up helping you in on the win column. Um, mine, Blake, is uh, I'm going to go back. And I agree with something Bobby Burton would say, so we'll uh, say something that Bobby would have said if he was here. Um, four to one TD INT ratio for for Quinn Ewers is a huge number for this team because you know you're going to throw six seven-ish interceptions uh, on a season, more than likely, um, especially if you're throwing more than three wide sets, right, if you're putting the ball in the air more. But if you're sitting there at 28 touchdowns and seven interceptions, Quinn Ewers has had a good year. Texas has had a good year. If you're in the 20-7 to seven range, 21-7, to seven, more questionable. So four-to-one TDINT I think is a huge stat this year for Quinn and Texas. And I think Texas fans would agree with the both of you there. All right, this next one. You got one, Blake, or what? <laughs> I do, I guess. Yeah, I like both of y'all's answers. I mean, I think honestly, with the uh, with the new running backs, you, you know, I don't, I don't see them having Bijan or Roshan's yards per carry, but I think it needs to be around there. You know, obviously, if 
they're averaging two, two and a half yards a carry, I think that we're in trouble for sure. So yeah. that number needs to be up a little bit. Agree. Right, this next one comes from Jordan Holloman. Do y'all feel one score records are a result of coaching or players? According to Tom Herman, it's it's because of the binder. <laughs> that's a tough that's a tough question because the white game it's so tough. subjective jerry it goes yeah. it, it's game by game i mean look if you play a bunch of one score games a lot of times your style of play you know you're more condensing you know bill snyder loved the one score games right i mean a lot of that's kind of your style of play um so that that's a that's a tough question to answer i can say this i mean if if you win a bunch of games by seven and your field goal kicker missed uh, misses fifty percent of his field goals. It's probably on the kicker <laughs> because there's that turns seven into tens into thirteen. So I think there's a lot going on about that. All right, well, put your uh, futuristic cap on and let's uh, look into your crystal ball here because Joe McWaters preaches sometimes says what you will Texas be known as in a few years? Quarterback you, running back you, DBU. Well, it can't be no, DBU Jerry. because LSU is going to sign the 5,000 guys, so they're going to have more guys turn out in the draft. And Ohio State's still going to have at least one DB go in the first round for about 10 straight years. Yeah, yeah. It's quarterback um, you. It's quarterback you. I mean, look, it's – if Go where the talent is. If Quinn gets to the first round this year, if he has a great year and gets to the first round, then Arch Manning ends up being a first-round pick. It's going to be quarterback you. I mean that's two pretty big. That's where the that's where the you know they've got talent in all three of those position rooms, but yeah. it to me it's the quarterback just because of the, the guys they have. The comment just said OLU. I mean, yeah. Oh, hey, yeah. that's Kyle. You're speaking Kyle Flood's love language. Yeah. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Okay, Jerry, this next question is from you, and it's from one of your favorite posters, David Williams. David! And and he says, what are the chances or percentages that UT and Sark, with 11 wins and a Big 12 title, seriously, productively readdress in the recruitment of Corian Gibson and Selman Bridges? They're not going to stop recruiting Corian. No. I I, I don't know how much they're going to still focus on Selman. I, I think I think a lot of this comes down to what happens with Kobe Black and Wardell Mack, too. Yeah. I mean, look, if both of those guys fell Texas way, then you're sitting there with Santana Wilson, Kobe Black, and Wardell Mack. You know, the head coach may say, you know what, let's just go get another Gavin Holmes out of the portal if he goes pro this year. Yeah. I, I, I So that's kind of where it's at to me, with me um, right now is what happens with Kobe – 
in Wardell Mack, I think is going to tell you a lot about where Texas heads after that. All right. So, well, we have a super chat, guys. This one from Elijah Perez. I want to thank him. And he says, I'll be in Vegas for the Bama game. How confident are y'all that UT yeah. can win? If my bet hits, I'll give to Jerry's Jerky Fund and Justin's Hat Fund. I need the line. <laughs> I'd say game I, – I, Texas has a, a, better, a much better shot because it's week two versus week nine. Um Alabama hasn't lost a home game at night since 2015. To me, that means you're due. And does that mean it's Texas as a team? I don't know. Uh, but I do know that Alabama's going to have new OC, new quarterback. And while Alabama is still a very talented team, you know, if this was four years ago and they're sitting there with Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, and uh, Henry Ruggs, and um, – oh, Yeah, I mean, I'm like, you know, it's, no. this is going to be an ugly game. But they don't have that offensive firepower anymore. Nope. Um, and they don't have experience at quarterback. And uh, they don't have experience at receiver. Now, I mean, they got so they got good players, but they're not like dominant like they were. I mean, nobody's going to be as dominant as four first round picks. But they're not where they were, uh, and that's why they're not the number one program in the country anymore. Because Nick Saban had adapted to college football and not only was still a great defensive coach, but he was winning games with offense. And I just don't think they have the players that they had for that last really magical run at Bama. Uh, so for that, from that standpoint, you're not going to go in there and get overwhelmed by an Alabama offense. And I think that gives you a uh, really good, uh, uh, a really good chance. If Elijah is willing to donate to, to, to my hat fund, <laughs> I, 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 I'll, 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 I'll get out on a limb. I'll tell you, I, I would be willing to put some money down. And if, when you go to Vegas, don't, don't go too far. Don't, don't go <laughs> overboard, but see if you can find a few little prop bets. I, I think this would be the year to, to really pluck them. This is the year that they're lit. They're not where they were. Texas was so close last year. They have most of those guys back. It just seems ripe. And, and, and here's the thing. You'll know early, I think in that game, Last year, Alabama was the that was the most undisciplined Alabama team in terms of penalties. How that sloppy I've, were since they? I've seen since year one. I mean, they had fifth what fifteen against Texas, seventeen on the road, mm-hmm. and lost to Tennessee. That's very. We could have had another six or seven penalties. They let those yeah. DBs do abusive things. It, so I think it, early in that game, I, you know, how is that? How's Alabama's discipline in terms of penalties? If they've improved there then they're still probably the second yeah. most talented team to Georgia in the country. If they improve there, then they become a tougher team to beat this year. So that's just something else to look for. Hey, uh, Donald, Dennis Donaldson uh, had a question I wanted to address about the new, new Hines, the wideout. Yes. And the, hey, real quick, Justin, the, the line right now, Alabama is a touchdown favorite. Just so Wow. You know. Elijah, get it now. <laughs> get it now. <laughs> Uh, he he said real quick before we get to Dennis's. Whoa, Elijah said, whoa, whoa. "Y'all convinced me cashing out the four hundred one k and putting it on Texas." I love it. <laughs> Elijah's want to be. New favorite, hopefully, that's a lot new of favorite, favorite, new favorite uh, subscribers. <laughs> Thank you, brother. All right, Jerry. Your question from Dennis. Dennis reads, "Jerry, new new conversation go down last night. Is he twenty five or twenty six? Niblet praise coming out of Austin versus your statement about new new being the best player on the field is intriguing." Yeah, Nunu Hines, uh, Tanook Hines out of Decaney, he's a 2025 wideout. And 
He's a kid that I was at the DeCaney Eisenhower game, and that was Ryan Niblett for Eisenhower, who, you know, they struggled to get him the ball at Eisenhower. There's a reason he played quarterback as a sophomore some. Yeah. Uh, Jonah Wilson, who was committed to Texas at the time, but Tanook Nunu Hines. Well, Sarkeesian and Brennan Marion were at the game that night, and Hines was the best player on the field. Uh, that doesn't mean he's the best prospect in four years, but he was the best player on the field. And the last time I walked away from something like that was when I w- went to see Matthew Golden at, at Klein Kane. And Matthew Ryan Golden Forrest? was Klein Kane with, Jade, with Jaden Blue. But yeah. Matthew I Golden, think. I saw him twice. He was the best player on the field both times. No, And they played uh, Tom Ball Memorial, who had a kid who was really good. Player went to USU, is now U of H playing receiver. But – you know, then you look at what Matthew Golden did as a freshman, and I don't care who he's playing against. He's still a freshman wide out that 38 catches for 550 or something. Um, I see Hines similar. They're a little different, but I see Hines as a guy that I really like that isn't going to – that will his recruiting may suffer because DeCorian Moore, Andrew Marsh, there's some really good receivers in this class in the state. So he may not get as much of the run – is some because remember Matthew Golden came out with Jordan Hudson, Evan Stewart. But is Matthew Golden going to be better than about all those guys other than Evan Stewart? Maybe, we'll see. I could see Nunu Hines ended up being and now they're just going in their junior year being similar to Golden, and that he may not be recruited like it. But man, that Friday night was very interesting, and I I remember standing in the end zone and looking at Sark kind of turn his head a couple of times to Vernon Marion, and you knew they were talking about Hines based on the plays that were just made. I think he'll also get lost in the mix just a little bit because there's a lot of guys his size in this cycle that are similar. Ja'Cory Watson, yeah. uh, Jelani, Jelani Watkins. Like, there's some guys there that, you you know, wide receivers are always going to be deep in Texas, I feel like, for, for the now until a long time. But, but he has that shiftiness, that stop, start, gadget back in space type stuff that, that, that scores. Okay, Justin, this next question is for you, and it comes from Matthew Munoz. He says, who do you think our next commit may be? Hook them, guys. Next commit. Well, you're going to put me on the spot on that one. <laughs> um, the next commit. I Give think... us a few. How about that? A group of uh, uh, two or three that may commit next. How about that? We'll make it a little bit easier. I'll break it into classes, okay? For 2024, I could see – for 2024, man, that's a good question because these times. I think, I, I think Wardell Max coming in earlier August than mid-August maybe. That's, maybe that, not. That's so noteworthy. That, the fact that Dominic McKinley may be moving up his timeline. Brandon Baker moving up his timeline. Yeah. Kobe Black kind of knows what he wants to do, but he's still kind of holding, holding true. There's about three or four guys there. Colin Simmons is one that I definitely have to mention as well. But twenty for 2025, I'm going to take Landon Rink. Uh, Jerry had some good intel on that yesterday. The Cy, the Cy Fair kid, uh, Texas Legacy. Uh, I think if if the next, if there's another guy or the next guy to drop, I wouldn't be surprised if he jumped. I in. think Texas may get a commitment August 11th, but I know y'all are talking about football right now. <laughs> I knew you were going to get. And he's I a knew good that one. was going to be your answer. And he's a good one. <laughs> He's going to be a draft pick. <laughs> well, that, that actually leads me to my next question, Jerry, and it's from Jay the Activist. How does basketball recruiting look right now? Well, Cam Scott, ranked top 25 in the country at a Lexington, South Carolina, 6'5 guard. He's going to announce on August 11th. 
Right now, Texas is the team to beat. Alabama and Chris Beard over at Ole Miss are fighting it. Uh, but I think Texas is in a pretty good spot there. He visited officially back in November uh, for the UT Rio Grande Valley game around the Baylor uh, game, Baylor-Texas football game, when Beard was the head coach. And I can tell you guys, he was privately committed at that time. And he was waiting to announce. Then everything hit the fan two weeks after that. Um, so, But Cam Scott, I think he, he really likes Austin. He really likes Texas. He really likes the style of play that he saw last year and what Rodney's going to do this year and continue on with that style of play. Um, so I think Texas has a really good shot at Cam Scott, uh, uh, 6'5 guard. Um, I put out something on Inside Texas yesterday um, about, uh, you know, official visits. And it, Texas' official visits are loaded now. Trey Johnson's going to come back in September, uh, the guard out of Link Academy from Lake Highlands. Look, behind the scenes, you know, you're hearing three teams, Kentucky, Texas, and Baylor. Um, he's going to visit Alabama in mid-September, but I, I, and there's a chance he goes pro. Uh, but I think Texas is going to get a visit. Um, Curtis Givens, the point guard out of Montverde Academy from Memphis. I think that's Memphis, Georgia Tech, Texas. I think he's going to officially visit the first weekend in September. Um, then you get Nick Cody, the uh, top 50 kid, power forward out of uh, – um, Carrollton Newman Smith area up in there. His dad and the Kia Cody played at Baylor and in the NFL. Nick Cody doesn't have Baylor in that group. He'll officially visit. That's Houston, Texas, a couple Miami, Auburn. Robert Miller, top 50 kid in the country, is Texas, Bama. He's going to visit both in September. Um, look, then there's Cooper Flag, uh, who's 25. He's the best prospect in America. Um, he's talking to Texas. He's going to reclass. We'll see if he makes an official visit, but there's a chance. Texas is Texas basketball recruiting is pretty good spot now. I'm just telling you guys, they lead for two or three really good players. Hey Blake, I want to put your hat on for a quick second, if that's okay. Go ahead. We got we got a question from one of our members at Inside Texas that I Go think ahead. is interesting, and I want I want Jerry's take on it. I'm only going to give a small blurb, but I, I want to see Jerry's reaction. What is our take on high school recruits transferring to multiple schools within their four year high school career? Is that a red flag? Okay, I think that's a great question. Um, it can be a red flag if it's not for the right reasons. Okay, Jordan Johnson Rebel, for instance, is at Fort Worth Brewer. He transfers to IMG his last two years. He didn't transfer because he had to. He got in trouble. He transferred because he thought IMG would prepare him to be an early graduate and go in and be ready to compete from day one in college. So kids like that, I don't, you know, look, that's just the way it is. Basketball kids transferring to one of the eight national powers their senior year, especially when NIL's not on the table in Texas as a yeah. high school player, and it is other places, that's kind of a game changer. Now, if it's a Jai Hall, who I dealt with for the Under Armour game and Under Armour camps, and it's four high schools in four years, and I know two of those weren't voluntary, then nothing that's happened since then surprises us. I mean, so there's different levels to it. Um, if you get into three, four high school type of deals, unless your family just moves now, COVID changed that a little bit. We have a to bit. some of these kids differently. Yeah. Some families were forced to move three years ago, then kind of returned back home when they got job when the job market was better. If they lost a job or were forced to move, COVID did change things as far as that goes. But normally, if you get into three or four high schools, we we better do some digging. And based on my years in the business. And 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 my blurb is, you know, there, there, I've seen a few recruits 
prospects that will leave their school for, for greener pastures. They think that they'll get a better offer or a better opportunity in a, at another school. To me, if they do that and then go back to the old school and then try to go to another school and then go back to the old school and then try to go to another school and that other school sends you home three weeks later, that's not a good sign. Uh, and I hope everyone picked that up. Hey, hey, by the way, I want to say something too. And uh, uh, <laughs> we have somebody who commented who's a, a great, great comment. Um, but so with IMG, I want to make something really clear on that. Kids that go to IMG and excel there tend to do really well in college. Like Jordan Johnson Rebell is excelling there. Jarrett Gibson is excelling there. Any kids that have gone to IMG that ended up being sent home have been busts in college. And it's that's interesting about IMG having gone there so many times over the years through Under Armour when I lived in Florida, is the kids who go down there and excel, they've done very well at the college level. So with Jordan Johnson, Rebell, and Jarrett Gibson, they've gone in and they've done everything asked. They're two of the leaders of that program right now at IMG, which is saying something. And those kids are going to excel in college, in my opinion. And I think the the biggest reason, and Jerry, you would agree, like with Jordan Johnson, Rebell, you're essentially going away to college. That's right. You're just doing it two years earlier. So what did Jordan learn? Self-discipline, yeah. time management. So when you're a college recruiter and you're looking at investing a two, dollars $300,000 scholarship in one of these players, you want to weigh your odds. I yeah. want the guy that's been shipped to another school military style, has had to learn, be regimented, yeah. be, be you know, have that time management, have that self-discipline. To me, that's only made him a better player a more mature kid. And when he gets to Austin, he's going to be ready to make an earlier impact. Yep, no to doubt. me, it's such a win when, when, the, when the good kids do it the right way. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, before we move on, we got a little bit of time left. I need to tell everybody about Andy Ludicky and my perfect franchise one more time. And if you're looking to diversify, you may be somebody like me that has their hands in multiple businesses. Well, Andy can help you diversify by finding your business that will fit your time allotment and financial goals. Call him or email him to learn more. He's got a really cool process. I even did it myself. And that's Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Again, Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. So thank you, Andy, for sponsoring each and every Friday right here on On Texas Football. And, uh, Jerry, we've had a lot of questions about Brandon Baker today. So I Yeah, yeah, I have seen him. Yeah. So Brazar 10, Jerry, when are you making your RPM pick for Texas and Brandon Baker? Well, yeah, I mean, Jerry. Yeah, no, on, no, 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 no. Don't go. Don't dope me on this, guys. <laughs> don't bait me. I just say, don't bait me. Uh, um, look, it, it's a battle. I mean, this is a battle. I think Texas is in a good spot, but it's a battle. I mean, Ohio State's right there. Oregon's still in it. Um, Nebraska has made themselves in it. Uh, put themselves in it at some level. Um, you talk to one person, it's Texas versus Oregon. You talk to another person, it's Texas versus Ohio State. I'm interested to see where it turns out. But I look, I think uh, if he doesn't take any more visits anywhere, I I think Texas may be in a good spot. But I'm not ready to put in an RPM at this point. All right. Well, we got some super chats we need to get to. Uh, a couple of them are comments. This first one from Dennis Donaldson, uh, and he says, you guys are the best. So thank you, Dennis. We appreciate that. The next one comes from John Kennedy, and he says, guys, I think Colin's going to LSU. What do y'all think? He definitely is today. Yeah. He's visiting. He's actually already there. 
he landed he landed this he landed a couple hours ago jerry no yeah 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 i mean uh look i'm not it's uh it's always it's always going to come down to these two that's where this is recruitment's been headed for a long time with a&m in fighting to be in the conversation right yeah um a doesn't want to see him go to texas or lsu i mean let's be real um but look this is always headed to texas lsu i think but we talked about Ryan Wingo by uh, Colin adjusting his schedule and going to LSU this this weekend. It kind of tells you that he's speeding up his process a little bit. He has the November official visit. If he was just going to stick to December, you know, with his timeline, that's easy to do. Uh, but I think it I, I think it tells you that he's he's potentially moving uh, his his timeline up. I think these kids that are making these visits, uh, Ryan Wingo that popped in a couple of schools this week. Uh, Colin Simmons. Um, I mean, these guys are thinking about really giving strong consideration of moving their timelines up. And I, it's interesting. Duncanville has not scheduled as of yesterday. Their, their media days. They haven't ske- put the date on, on the calendar yet for their media day, which I thought was interesting. I think I, I think they won't uh, – uh, until they know what Colin's going to do, they're not going to set their <laughs> media day date. <laughs> and I promise you, Samples is not going to let that stretch very far. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, our last super chat that we have right now is from Jordan Bonner, and uh, he says, "Who's your weakest link when it comes to the offensive line?" He personally leans Majors or Connor, and he would like to see Banks, Campbell, Hudson, Umazulu, Williams, or Jones. If Jake Majors is your weak link, you're in a pretty good position, and 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 I think you can be recruited over. I think Cole Hudson could be playing center by the end of the season and being there for the next couple of years until Daniel, when Daniel Cruz follows him. But th- that's a tough question because Majors was the least, you know, I guess not sort of ranked, but the least prospect-wise of, of these other guys. He's obviously the smallest. He's the one guy that's not that large human category that Kyle Flood absolutely you know, desires. And so I'm going to, I'm going to lean majors. I'm not Connor because I think Connor's gotten better. I think Connor's actually gotten a little bit bigger. He's gotten a little stronger. He's always been smart. So I'm, I'm, I, I kind of tend away from him and this is not a knock on Jake majors. I, I think Jake's a great kid and I think he's a very productive off uh, center, but that would be mine. That that center position. I, I look at it like this. You didn't have to hold your block in the run game the extra split second last year because Bijan could uh, dance like he was getting paid to and could make 10 yards without a play being blocked perfectly. This year, there's going to be more pressure to block plays a split second longer. So whoever struggles in camp um, in that regard, I think is going to be your answer because there's a little more pressure on these guys to hold their blocks for that extra split second. Really That's a good complete answer. Complete the play. Good question. Good question. All right. This next one is my Hey, by the way, for David Williams, sorry, Blake. No, go ahead. DJ Devon Campbell walked by yesterday because when you're there for these events, all the players walk by. He looks unbelievable physically, David. I, you may have been working with him in the offseason. He looks the best I've ever seen him physically. Uh, and people will be happy to know he wasn't wearing the, the wrist brace anymore, so he is back to 100%. Is Sorry. he still 6'2", six, 6'2 two, six, two and a half? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, he is put together now. No, he is. And we and we know he is maybe the meanest, most scrappy of that yeah. bunch. He yeah. gets his hands on you. He's got you. He's got you. Yeah, he wants to win. Yeah. Well, that's great news about the brace or lack thereof, I guess, as well. All right, Mike Bean says, what Big 12 offense could be a problem 
for the defense? Try to think. Um, Man, K State loses Deuce Rob, Deuce Vaughn. Kansas and Jalen Daniels, I'm telling you, is better than people are giving them credit for. Uh, TCU's got some dudes, but I'm not real convinced at quarterback. Yeah, I think I, I just wonder if Hoover ends up taking over there. And then Central Florida is going to have a, a pretty good quarterback, the John Rise Plumley, the transfer from Ole Miss, plays baseball at UCF. Put some and pressure. Gus Malzahn is used to kind of big, big conference stuff. He, this is not going to be a new, you know, dance for him. That's a good question because if you ask that last year, we could name three or four offenses. Right. But this is kind of a season where I think it's shaping up pretty well where Texas is going to be better than most when, when it comes to that defense. I, I, I lean Kansas if they're healthy. Yeah. Um, Thank you. I don't want to be the only one. I lean Kansas <laughs> if they're healthy. I think um, Kansas State's offensive line is is kind of one I look at. Cooper Beebe. Yep. They, I think they got enough juice to play on the interior with Texas and the gate, maybe some of Texas' strength. I think Tech is going to be a deep uh, – no. I, I changed my mind. Never mind. No. <laughs> not yet. I not with Tyler. Know. Not with what they have now. I mean, they think they've got it now, but that's not what's going to do it. Well, Justin, this next one's for you from your buddy Jake. And he says, speaking of 25 wide receivers, haven't heard much on Taz Williams lately. Sees at LSU this weekend. Where does Texas stand there? Yeah, that's my boy. Uh, Taz and Jake, appreciate appreciate. Uh, you hit you hitting us up, Jake. A uh, longtime member at Inside Texas, good guy. Um, Taz is one of my favorites. I love his personality. Like if if DeCorian Moore is the top receiver in the state, to me, Taz is number two. Uh, and he's getting bigger. I've seen him kind of grow over the last year. He's a transfer from you know he grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So he'd only been in Texas a couple of years. That Red Oak team has got some serious underclassmen. So I think you could see some real good. Uh, play out of that, that that team over the next couple of years. Taz is at LSU this weekend. Look, Taz enjoys the recruiting process, and he doesn't take himself too serious. So right now, and, and I talk to his dad pretty often, Taz, he's enjoying it. He's going to take these visits. He's going to enjoy himself. Um, the one thing I love about Taz Williams is that he celebrates other players' success more than any kid I've seen in years. He makes it a point when other, not even friends or buddies, just acquaintances get offers, you know, make big trips, make commitments. Taz is so always happy for other kids. I love that attribute in a young man. And Taz has a lot of that. Uh, he, Texas looks great. Texas is still in a great position. They got in early. They got in often. Uh, he'll be back on campus for a game this fall. Don't be surprised when he shows up to the Cotton Bowl in mid-October for Texas OU. The horns are the host, and Taz Williams is going to be in that stadium for that game. So Taz is still in a good spot, but Taz is getting love from everywhere. USC, Oregon, LSU, uh, Alabama, like Ohio State. Taz is going to make his rounds. So this is one to just sort of buckle up and enjoy the ride. And, and I think he's behind a couple other guys, clearly. You, ta- behind? Who yeah. do you think he's behind besides Moore? Uh, probably Andrew Marsh. Yeah, I gotta. I think but then, and then you got out of state guys like Marcus Harris, and you're okay now. Now out of states, yeah, you're right. Yeah, out of states a little different. But I, I'll disagree with Tat with with that with 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 Marsh. If anything, it's a push. He's not clearly clearly better. (laughs) Maybe a little faster. Mm -hmm. Maybe 
Actually, Taz was the one on the track for Red Oaks Track. Braden Robinson is the one y'all need to be asking about. That dude's gonna that dude's gonna be a a, a stud. He's the 2026 receiver. Well, a great debate right here on on Texas football. All right, Jerry, this next one's for you from Ekim. Jerry, who do you see as the second most talented high school program in Texas after Duncanville? Oh, this is easy. I mean, come on. Oh, it's not as easy as you think. Who did they have they played the last four years? Well, I mean, DeSoto's there. They are. So what's South Oak Cliff? South Oak Cliff was for a couple. But I'll tell you this: Austin Westlake was there for a couple of years. You're right. I mean, Austin Westlake had the biggest run of Division One players, and they were at quarterback. So true. true. Um, I mean, it's, but you know where I'm thinking. Yeah, if it's not, you know, look, it's not. I don't think it's cut and dry. I mean, Duncanville on I on I twenty. Um, obviously, South Oak Cliff, and you have. Uh, DeSoto. DeSoto probably, as far as number of Division One players, maybe number two. Probably. Uh, but uh, you kind of factor in who are those Division One players, too. My my other one, since it wasn't mentioned, I think it's North Shore. I figured that's who you were going to say. I think, I yeah, think they're not it, as talented it, as they have been. They're interesting. You're, you're right. You're right. But they're they've also like, had a handful of move-ins in this yeah. spring. And, I, yeah. and some of those guys, like a Dion DeBlanc, some of these guys are ball players. And so, with John K being gone, that's going to be my de- big determinant. Like, I still think it overlaps. I still think you have some carryover this year. But that's where you're going to start to see: are they going to keep maintaining, or are they going to maybe go down to the second tier in the next few years? Kind of like I see Westlake. Some, somebody brought up Denton Ryan, which is very talented as well. That Ryan's, yeah, Ryan's not Ryan five years ago. Didn't Ryan is the answer five years ago, especially with that team that won the, the state championship with Bear Alexander and Jatavian Sanders. That 10 Division one starters on defense. Drew, uh, the, yeah. the Drew Sanders kid. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that Anthony yeah. Hill, I think, was a sophomore maybe at the time. Yeah, uh, that, that was the answer then. And actually, they've got some young cats. They've got a young defensive end that, that, uh, Coach Delatory, Aaron Delatory is very, very big on. They've got a young quarterback. That, that, that they like a lot. And so Ryan's always – Denton Geyer. If you're going to mention Ryan, Denton Geyer has yeah. got some defensive yep. dudes coming up. That's a that's a conversation. That's probably a post. That might be a good article. All right, we got a super chat here, guys. Then we'll probably get to one more question and call it a day. And the super chat is from Texas Life, so we want to thank him. And he says, what happened to freshman linebacker Burrell? You guys uh, that – said that he could have been one of the best linebackers in the 22 class, and I haven't heard much about him. What we were talking about with Samaje back, it was when he, if he was going to be an early enrollee, we thought he could make a push. When he decided to stay in high school um, his senior, for his second semester of his senior year, I think that kind of set him towards a redshirt year. Um, you see what happens when guys that are coming in early. I mean, different from Anthony Hill, but Anthony Hill – Leon LaFowle, they get on that field, they get a chance, they get seasoning, they get their feet underneath them. Uh, Samaje Burrell, I can tell you this, I saw him yesterday, he looks great physically now. I mean, he looks about like what you thought he would be. Um, and I, I'm very high on Samaje Burrell, but the th- thing there is when he decided not to be an early enrollee, that's going to send them to a redshirt year, in my opinion. Now, if he comes in and ends up playing, then you got a great player on your hands. Right. He he's just now play. getting there. Yeah. yeah. He's just now getting there. Leona LaFowle coming in. Will, will be the will be the uh, the the tree stump in front of him because LaFowle is going to be a kid I think plays too. Okay, guys, last question and it's a two parter and it's from Ryan. So we'll start with the first one. Compare and contrast the skill sets of the potential offensive guard options 
And then number two, due to increased pressure to succeed this year, how long is Ewers' leash if he struggles? Uh, The two guards really on the board right now, um, Blake Ivey, who will probably commit to A&M over LSU in Texas here in the next week or so. He could be one that makes a decision quickly. Um, He's a a 6'3 half left tackle in high school, right tackle. I think they're playing him at now with an 81, 82-inch wingspan. He's got super long arms has tackle feet, interior body. DeAndre Carter at Modern Day, who's going to visit September 30th for the Kansas game, he's more in that 6'3 340, just large human, reshape him a little bit, guy that is really strong in the run game, where Blake Ivey's 6'3 280-pound guy. Um, so there's a big difference in that size of the frames on those guys, uh, but they're totally different players. Uh, Blake Ivey is athletic enough to play tackle, but he's going to be a guard long-term if he makes it to the NFL and probably in college, even though AM and LSU are saying they give him a shot at tackle. That's that. Um, I don't there's, know. There's no leash. I don't. I, yeah. There's I, don't, no leash. I, don't, I, I just don't see it. I mean, look, here's the thing people need to understand about Quinn Ewers. Um, Sark needs Quinn Ewers to be a first-round pick. That does a lot for his program and if Quinn's a first-round pick. I, I expect Quinn to have a good year. Um, I His leash, there's no leash. Um, Texas needs him to have a good year. They need him to be a draft pick. Um, and then they need to come in with the next guy that's a draft pick. Uh, so I, I think it's – people are thinking, oh, if Quinn's just going to get replaced. I mean, no. But here's the bottom line. Malik Murphy nor Arch Manning have taken a snap in college. Spring game – I mean, not the well, same. It just, it just doesn't matter. Um, so no, th- there is no leash. All right. So I lied because I want I want y'all's opinion real quick. Very very quick answers on this from East Eight. Which is more crucial for the offense next year: execution in the quick passing game or execution in the deep passing game? Deep. They can execute the RPO. They can do the the quick stuff. They did that last year. They've got to connect on the deep stuff, and that's what an AD Mitchell, a healthy Isaiah Nayor, that's what that gives you. That's what that that's what the product, the byproduct of that. That's my that that was a quick, yeah. easy answer. Yeah. What about and, you, Jared? and mine is deep too because one of the things. Um, yes, Steve Sherlock Cruz's shirt was hilarious, by the way. But this is one of the things that you know everything gets pinned on a quarterback, um, but. Deep, the deep passing game is huge because, you know, look, a quarterback needs to have a wide out make plays for him, just like he's got to make plays for a wide out. Yep. Uh, and that's where A.D. Mitchell, that's where hopefully Isaiah Nayor is healthy because you saw what was happening in the spring game. But Quinn needs guys to make plays for him. You, you can't expect him to make every throw on the money down the field, especially under duress. So having somebody to go up and make plays for you at the quarterback position is just as important as the other way around. So it's definitely a deep passing game. Because he did, Quinn didn't have any of that last year. Help me. No. no. I mean, and it wasn't all his fault. He'll take responsibility for some of it. And some of it was, but a lot of it was not. All right, guys. So I see 817, a.k.a. Mr. Talk Too Much. No Ranger hats. Where's the love? we got a whole wall back here. I was about to say, Blake's, Blake's got us covered on the Ranger stuff. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to worry about the hats. Yeah, right we just – we finally we, – we took the last thing. Hey, by the way, I know we got to get out of here, but Otani threw a one-hit shutout uh, complete insane. game shutout. Insane. And hit two home runs in the other game of a double. He's the best baseball player ever. I'm not saying he's going to have the best stats ever, 
He's easily the best baseball player. Oh, I, yeah. I agree. Blake, what the hell? This guy's he's a total freak. Blake, this shows you that Jerry doesn't pay attention to my Twitter account. That right there just proved it. He never does. <laughs> I have been proclaiming Shohei Otani, the best baseball player on the planet for two years now. And I got into it with Yankee fans last year over the whole Aaron Judge 62 home. Get out of here. Shohei <laughs> is doing stuff only one human in the history of the sport has yep. ever done. And, it, ever. and he's doing it better than him. And yeah. he's doing it better. Yeah. Guys, you might as well get on board because that $600 million deal he's about to sign might go even higher. Yeah. That yeah. guy is incredible. And there's a reason my son and I have invested in many, many of his graded rookie cards. Because <laughs> those things are like crack yeah. on the market right now, and they're only going up. I'm glad you brought up Shohei. I mean, that's, that's a, my son's favorite baseball player. We're going to go see him play when the Angels come back in town. Um, to me, the stuff that stuff is like Tiger Woods winning at the yes. U.S. Open by 15 shots at Pebble. You're seeing yep. things that you're like, whoa, I didn't know if I'd ever see this before in my lifetime type of stuff. It's You know, it's he tough. also leads the league in triples. Yeah. Yep. yep. Him it's and Bobby Wynn are, are yep. two of the top in triples. That's amazing. Otani's the best player in 100 years. I'm not – and I love the Yankees coming at me with the Aaron Judge stuff. <laughs> the crap. Aaron Judge is a great power hitter. End of story. Shohei Otani is the most complete baseball player in 100 years. Yeah, Without a doubt. 100% agreeance with you, Justin. All right, guys, we got to get out of here. We're running yep. a little bit over. Um, we want to thank Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Of course, we want to thank all our super chat people. Casey Lane, Justin Yarbrough, Sports Talk J, Elijah Perez, Jordan Bonner, John Kennedy, Dennis Donaldson, and Texas Life. And uh, don't forget, like and subscribe, and then head on over to InsideTexas.com. Justin and Jerry both have a ton of recruiting news up, and you don't want to miss any of it. Uh, and so for Justin and Jerry, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you next time.